You're listening to Baltimoreans, the home of the all-weather fan. My name is Sam Dingman, and for a almost entirely baseball-free episode, this is Alan Smith. <laughs> Not much new there, my friends. <laughs> uh, let's get stupid. Baltimoreans. Hello, Baltimoreans. How are y'all doing? How is the winter? The dark winter treating you all. We've got the um, 77 days until uh, spring training begins, I believe. I know so, I know you're all probably mourning that Marcus Stroman days. is off the board. Um, I feel like, you know, the greatest wish of all of our hearts was that <laughs> that temperamental man would ruin our Stay clubhouse the fuck out of Baltimore, dynamic. Stroman, <laughs> who needs you? I'll tell well, you who needs you, the already toxic clubhouse in the Bronx. I predict that this will be a cell phone for the evil empire. <laughs> uh, longtime listeners of this program are, of course, aware that we began it way back in the halcyon days of the 2010s to um, get a large enough listening audience that we would easily get $5 a person throw in uh, $600 million, take the Orioles off the hands of the Angelosis family, convert them to a nonprofit, uh, serving the city of Baltimore, make Cal Ripken the head of baseball operations, and all ride off happily into the sunset. Um, we haven't quite gotten there yet. Um, we're, <laughs> we're still to a the few... punch by we're David st- Rubenstein. <laughs> and also beaten to the punch by um, our guest today, my friend... Uh, Anthony, Anthony Fiume, who is the, um, uh, what do we call you? Are you the president, Anthony? Yes, the president, yeah. The president of the <laughs> football club group, a uh, intentionally um, generic named organization, which is uh, setting out to um, uh, make real Sam and my uh, fever dream of community ownership of a sports team. In this case... Our goal here is not to buy the Baltimore Orioles, but to um, get enough scratch together to buy a third or fourth tier um, European football club uh, such that we can um, attach ourselves to the coattails of Ryan Reynolds, uh, ride up <laughs> the, um, the, the, the tiers, and eventually, I'm going to put it, say, like 2033 or so, win the Champions League. Um, so just to throw everybody out there, um, my dreams have not gotten any more reasonable in scale. Um, Anthony, <laughs> welcome to Baltimoreans, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, that's that's even a little more ambitious than me. I was thinking twenty thirty five. So I like I like twenty thirty three for Champions League. I like it. <laughs> listen, listen. As long as you guys get this done before humanity is erased by climate crisis. <laughs> Exactly. We are on the clock. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, this will be the uh, first Champions League played in the entire um, floating stadium off the coast <laughs> of what was once Abu Dhabi. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. FC carbon so, credits. Tell us. Uh, let's 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 begin at the beginning. Uh, what 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 in what? Where were you coming from when you thought? It would be a reasonable idea to um, to to well. I guess we should start off first of all. Anthony, are you currently 
a billionaire. <laughs> no, um, no. Are you now, or have you ever been? <laughs> <laughs> I probably will never be a billionaire um, for a few reasons. Um, I mean, if for some reason I get extremely lucky and something happens where I have a massive influx of money before I could possibly share it. Um, maybe I could become a billionaire, but I feel like by the time I reach 500 million, <laughs> we're talking ridiculous anyway, it's all hypothetical, you know, it, it, it kind of go away. Um, but that, that long answer is to say, no, um, I'm not a billionaire. Um, so what made you think that you could play in the, in the, the billionaire pool? And imagine um, um, sports ownership, which we spend a lot of time on this program talking about, is like really, honestly, the purview of the only the insanely wealthy in in this day and age. Yeah, it's um, it, it was a, it was there was a direct moment. There was definitely an aha moment, um, but it's a build up. You know, being a uh, football fan or a soccer fan, you know, as uh, as many Americans call it. Um, We're cool here. We can call it football. We can call it football. Okay, cool. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So, yeah, being a football fan my whole life, um, it always was a dream to buy a club. Um, Of course, I I, I assumed I would need a billion dollars, like you said, you know, to do so. Um, And but I had also known of membership as a form of ownership in football in the European leagues, right? Um, Real Madrid, Barcelona, those are owned by memberships. And I didn't, um, what are called socios. Um, and I, and I don't, I didn't know exactly how it worked, but I knew there was a hundred thousand or so people that technically owned Real Madrid. Um, and then it was December, 2021. And I'm, you know, sitting in my apartment and big Serie A fan, you know, the Italian league. And the own, uh, speaking of billionaire problems, the owner <laughs> of Salernitana happened to also own another team that was already in the top division of the Italian uh, football league. And so when Salernitana <laughs> got promoted from the second division to the first division, they were like, oh, billionaire, you can't own two teams in the same league. That's silly. You have to sell one. And so it was one of these like relatable dilemma, yeah. relatable dilemma, <laughs> you know. And so I, so it was fresh off this idea of, um, you know, there was that news story about those uh, friends that had tried to buy the Constitution together. And so, oh, right, you know, yeah, you know, and 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 so and so I was like, okay, there's an asset that people are trying to crowdfund for because crowdfunding obviously had been. A concept that you know we in America at least were already you know aware of, but not for. That's how we pay most of our medical debt. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. Um, And so the collective ownership idea. I was like, I started exploring. I was like, what if we bought Salernitana? Right. That's just the. That's the start. Now there's a lot in. That was I think I said December 2021. Uh, no, what year is it? 2022. Um, and then and now we're here two years later. Or yeah, no, that was 2021. Yeah. 21. Yeah. Because yeah. now it's uh, um, and uh, two years later, it's very different than it looked like in the beginning. Um, but that's yeah, all because some billionaire couldn't own two teams. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask before we go any further? Um, I'm really interested in the part of your story where you said that uh, one of the first elements of your fandom as a kid 
was dreaming of owning a team um, and or, or when you started out as a fan. And I think that's really interesting, you know, because a lot of people dream of playing for a team. A lot of people dream of, you know, putting on the uniform and being a part of it. But you seemed to have this inkling that um, there would be something really appealing about calling the shots at, at a much higher level. What do you what do you attribute that to? Me not being good enough at football to be a pro. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I wasn't scoring quite <laughs> enough goals. So no, no. I mean, of course, <laughs> you, you make a great point, right? I think, we, I think we all have probably a similar journey with that, right? My first mm-hmm. goal was, of course, I want to be, it was the original Ronaldo, right? R9, <laughs> Del Piero. Like, I want to score goals. I want to bring glory to my country, play at, in the World Cup. Um, and then, you know, I don't know what age it was, maybe 12, <laughs> you know, was my age when I realized, you know, it's probably not going to be the pro route for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so you start, you start thinking of how else could I be involved in the game? And then mm-hmm. you start to see that there's these people out there that own clubs and you're like, wait, I could, I could own one of those things like that. Maybe that's how. You know, it, so that was kind of the manifestation of of the ownership um, angle. Yeah, I, I just have to really say, there's. Oh, go ahead, Dingman. Oh, I, I just wanted to say quickly, like, uh, there's something very interesting to me about this story that is football specific, which is to say, if you have that inkling as a young baseball fan, mm-hmm. you look out into the ecosystem of the sport and you don't see any model of what you're dreaming of. There, there are no collectively owned mm. um, or member owned professional baseball teams. But in in football, there is this and little because of, tendril because of the realities of the lack of promotion and relegation. The franchises that do exist and that we are all aware of are all locked in at these just bonkers evaluate valuations, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. where like the Orioles, who have not been good uh, in the past two decades, are still. Uh, like closing in on um, value at a billion dollars, depending on who you ask. Yeah. 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 Um, so anyway, I, I don't know. I just, I think that's a cool thing about football that I hadn't thought of previously is that if you are the kind of big thinker that you clearly were Anthony, and that I'm sure a lot of young football fans are, you can, there's like another valence to your fandom that just isn't as likely to be available to a young baseball fan. I was rewatching um, Ted Lasso recently, and I was struck by the uh, wonderful show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe not like it's it's just such an American view of uh, football. But anyway, um, uh, I was struck by the rank and file person who who is sort of like a fan of AFC Richmond referring to the club as we mm. um and realized that I absolutely do that yeah. um for all of the clubs that I support in in real life uh and I sort of view you know Tottenham Hotspur as we and then I was thinking about like what a strange um n- nearly uh uh like Stockholm syndrome thing to do. Uh, because, in fact, my relationship to this uh, football club, as it currently exists, is so far from we. It is owned by a billionaire 
managed by a millionaire with a bunch of either recently minted or aspiring millionaires as the players on the team. It costs tens of uh, nearly a hundred quid to get to go see a game. Uh, all of the proceeds for all of those sorts of things and my investment and all of this sort of like energy that I pour into, uh, you know, checking in on how the U18 team is doing and looking at potential prospects that Tottenham might sign three years down the road. There's absolutely no we there. They could not care less about me as an individual. And I think one of the most appealing things, I mean, I'm wearing my founding member uh, uh, T-shirt right here. So so I'm, I'm already all the way in on this football club group. But I think one of the most appealing things to me about the whole process is like, there's a conversion here from we, my club and I, being an entirely sort of um, absurd statement to being kind of a real statement uh, and to being somehow like more vested and invested in the outcome of something because it's a we. I don't yeah. know. That's, that's we, been really appealing to me. Can we have you guys say really quick, just because I don't think we've explicitly said it yet, like what is – Football yeah, club sorry. group. Like what? Let's, what, let's, what are let's you go guys back doing? brass tacks. <laughs> yeah, no, sure, definitely. Um, so, football club group uh, is a U.S. based cooperative. Um, we are raising five million dollars to buy a football club in the lower divisions of a European football league, um, and it is one member, one vote. So, there's a maximum of one share per person. Um, and it operates like other uh, types of cooperatives where the membership collectively is the highest, uh, has holds the most power. They oversee and elect the board of directors and the board of directors oversees um, and appoints the officers who run the day to day. And so, yeah, we kind of have modernized we this it, model of using a cooperative to acquire a football club has not um, been done yet. So, um, in a, uh, you know, using a U.S. based cooperative in the U.S., um, we are we tried replicating this. So we we studied the bylaws of um, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, a bunch of these clubs that are already doing um, this thing. And funny enough, we actually also saw that they're actually a little less democratic than maybe we hoped. Um, (laughs) you know, um, and we can get into that, you know, into more depth later too, but we actually feel we've improved upon that, that model. So we are, while we're not reinventing the wheel, we do believe that we've added some nice technology to it to make it available to everybody. And this model that you have conceived of, what, how did you come up with it? What's it, what's it based on? Yeah, so we were we were in back in 2021 we were trying to figure out like what what it would be. Um so I was getting on Twitter spaces, um I was having conversations with people. Um at first uh, a DAO came up as an idea mainly because that's the example of who was buying the constitution. A DAO is um uh, not actually, I'm not even, I'm I'm not a crypto guy, so like I don't even actually know what the what the what the acronym stands for. Decentralized uh, autonomous organization. Right, right, and so that doesn't sound evil <laughs> and terrifying at all. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, um, and and listen, nothing against it. I'm a I'm I'm a a pie. I, I like to think of myself as someone who likes to pioneer and try new things. So I admire <laughs> and respect anybody who is trying 
out new things and and doing new things. Um, and so blockchain and all that, um, I'm sure someone will figure out a way that that will become a, a, a massive use case for people. But in our case, we re- when we were looking at it, we pretty soon realized that while that was a cool idea, that wasn't necessarily going to be recognized by international governments. The technology, <laughs> speaking of technology, it wasn't there yet, right? Like I didn't, I was figuring out what it meant to have a wallet and all of these other things. And so how are we going to teach people about membership and uh, and community ownership at the same time of having to teach them a new industry. And so on a Twitter space, um, our, our lawyer, James Wigginton, hopped on a space one time and he started talking about cooperatives. Um, and me being, I, I mean, I literally half of my major is business um, in college and we never talked about cooperatives. Like it's not capitalist enough for us to learn about cooperatives in a, you know what I mean? In a way, mm-hmm. aside from mm-hmm. all I knew about co-ops was apartments, right? Like, you, right. Could, you know, my apartment's either a co-op or a condo, you know, it's like, and so, um, and so that's kind of how I have to give credit to James. Um, he is a big advocate of the cooperative space in general. Um, and so he kind of put that out there for us. And once we started realizing that, oh, there is something that exists, we just have to maybe reshape it in our own way, um, to, to purpose it for this, um, yeah, we went with cooperatives. So it was a, a bit of a journey to get there. But yeah, so we started that and, and that's how we landed on having that as our legal entity. But isn't that so interesting DNA wise that, you know, as a business school uh, student or as a business student, the the idea that you would operate something in a not strictly ruthlessly profit-driven way was basically treated as witchcraft. I mean, I'm paraphrasing (laughs) a little bit, obviously, and exaggerating, um, being overly dramatic. But, um, you know, uh, so, like, the idea that that idea has not been brought to sports ownership implies the degree to which sports ownership has been seen as a ruthlessly profit-driven form of business. Um, When, in fact, to go back to Alan's point the actual experience of being a sports fan has this idea of cooperation, this idea of we baked into it. So in a way, it's like you're, you're bringing together two things that, that seem like they should be a natural fit, but the environment has been so warped and mm. perverted for such a long time that it, it hadn't really occurred to anybody before. Or, or if it had occurred to them, it had seemed too witchcrafty to work. Yeah, and I, I think the going back to that we point, um, it's 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 hitting home because I think what's interesting is football started that way, right? So it started as a game. It was not obviously this massive. There wasn't all these massive injection of cash to to do everything. It was it was people playing. It was communities localized, like you know, organizing together, making a club. Then it got professionalized, and of course, when something is professionalized and it's good, it was a great product, right? And people wanted it, and they wanted to consume it. It became commercialized um, some more, and then you know, scaled up to then this, where now invest. It's all the way to the point where now investment firms are investing literally to flip a profit, like not even trying mm-hmm. to hide the fact that mm-hmm. they want to buy low, sell high. 
Um, mm-hmm. And we're conflicted as fans because the we, it is, you know, sports teams and, you know, we can go into the philosophy of why sports exist and why we why we say the word we, right? But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's obviously a, a form of our identity. We're feeling like we are a part of a group, a part of something. And to Alan's point, we've just been kind of more and more conflicted in if we could use the term we because of how far it's come from our control right and the natural feeling is the we because that's kind of that is why we do it we don't do it because we want to follow some billionaires plaything. we do it because we feel like we are a part of something and so mm-hmm. this helps kind of reinforce that we to Alan's point. So I appreciate that point, Alan, because as you were saying that, that really that really hit home as to why we say that and why it feels weirder to say it now when if you said it yeah. 80 years ago, it's it would have been like, weird, you know? It's almost like being like, I'm going to go get a Coca-Cola and decide that we, the Coke, uh, I, I am invested enough in the company Coca-Cola that <laughs> the yeah. brand is a we <laughs> because I am currently drinking it. <laughs> yeah, right. No, 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 no. Hold on. Yeah. Sam, did you know that Sheffield Wednesday, um, which is like a fairly big club, they spent some time in the English Premier League, is called Sheffield Wednesday because it was on Wednesdays that the founding members had a half day off work so they could all play together? I did not know that. I did not know that. That's my favorite story about the uh, humble origins of one of a a, a current football club. Yeah. I mean, that's a a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. But but so, Smith, you know, you have been animated and lit up by these ideas, as you were saying, since the very beginning of this show. Tell folks how you got connected with Anthony and got involved and felt like, Finally, um, unlike my easily distracted and lazy ass, <laughs> you, you were <laughs> you 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 sort of realized um, that this was a version of this vision that could actually work. Well, okay. Yeah. For, first of all, um, I come more. I come to the table from more of a co-op background. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. like I've started three different co-ops, or tried tried to start three different co-ops in different times, and I've I've been sort of like gently obsessed with the idea of land trusts and and cooperative ownership of of um, property as specifically as a way to slow the role of gentrification. Um, as like a as a fascinating business, uh, as as Anthony said, like sort of a um, uh, playing in the pool of capitalism, but with a, an entirely different value set <laughs> um, coming to the table. But uh, the 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 honest answer is actually just that um, Anthony and I worked together, and he had this crazy idea, and he was kind of like at, at the point of of bouncing things off walls, and I was like, oh my god, that is. That is everything I've always hoped and dreamed for and more. Um, but one of the things that I think is really interesting about Football Club as a as a product and as a project is that instead of trying to get to a point of, um, you know, we if we're if we're gonna go buy the Orioles, right? We're gonna go, we're gonna get Orioles fans to try to throw in to do that. What we're trying to do with Football Club Group is get people who are interested in this model of ownership and interested in football for sure, but interested in sort of like 
having these kind of complicated discussions and and maybe even like reflecting on you know the 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 stuff that you and I spend all of our time on this podcast kind of pouring over about like mm-hmm. what is our relationship to this weird thing and mm-hmm. and why do we care so much and i think that the model of not saying this is the team we're going to go by but rather let's figure out how we collectively do this and then we'll get the team that makes the most sense to us once we've got the $5 million in the bank and we're all a voting group and we've sort of figured out our democratic processes and all that stuff is just so appealing to me as an organizer. It's so appealing to me in terms of process. Um, It might be slightly harder because you're not going to have brand recognition of like, let's go throw the Barcelona crest up and say like, hey, let's go buy this team and everybody who cares about this team is in. But I think you you actually get stronger roots um, mm-hmm. for doing mm-hmm. that. And you actually get sort of more people who are bought in because of the complexity of the process and because of the potential for like, um, yeah, turning on its head this ownership model that has, you know, I, 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 I think most sports fans have at some point in their sports fan life, especially in the last five, 10 years, like looked up and been like, Oh, is this getting away from me? Like, yeah, maybe I'm going to go back in. Maybe I'm still going to be a sports fan, but like that, that voice seems to be a pretty common experience. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was all in from jump just because I thought that Anthony's model was thinking about this in the right way. And, and, um, we're building something. We, there we go. We are building something, um, that I think has the potential to have legs in a way that like, um, let's buy the Orioles or even that like, you know, remember like 10 years ago or (laughs) maybe 10 years ago now that guy tried to buy the Clippers when Donald Sterling like really put his foot (laughs) in it the most. I think that those are good ideas. And I think that like, it's really easy when you have, or it's easier when you have like a particular big bad, um, when you have your owner is a Donald Sterling, your owner is a, um, um, Roman Abramovich, your owner is like a particular, whatever the dude who just sold the, um, commanders, uh, when, when your owner is like publicly a shitbag, that does make it even a little easier to imagine a different model. But, um, I think also that those windows slam shut pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, we were talking about that with the Orioles recently. Like if the angel, people are pretty mad at the Angeloses all the time. If the Angeloses were to leave, I think that that actually does dampen down some of the fire of like get this owner out of here. Um, oh, absolutely. I don't. I don't think it's it's at all out of line to suggest, and I put myself in this category that no matter how much I may object to the personal politics of a David Rubenstein, co-founder of the Carlyle Group, who, according to the most recent reporting, is first in line to buy the team. If he were to buy the team, I think my fervor about the ownership of the team would die down a little bit because there is admittedly a small part of me that would be like, well, let, let's just let's see how much money he's willing to spend on a free agent. You know, like <laughs> I, I know that my politics would bump up against my desire for the team to win, which strikes me as I'm glad you brought this up, Alan. What's really interesting about the way you guys are approaching this, which is not let's save this one particular team and let's try to galvanize folks energy based on the desire to like slay a giant as you were just pointing out Alan but rather 
a much more politically revolutionary, you're, you're trying to galvanize a sort of political energy that happens to link up with sports um, rather than a, a sports energy that happens to link up with a political ethic. So, yeah. And I, I think, I think that the greatest part about football club group is that it's both mm-hmm. because I, I, I do think we've got, I mean, we've got people already in our founding 25 members who I, I think it's fair to say, Anthony, don't really care about this stuff that I'm <laughs> spouting <laughs> uh, and yeah. are, are more about like, you know, I've always really wanted to be involved in a football club and I care about player recruitment and I play care about like, I really want to root for a piece of laundry that I feel more invested in. Um, so I think, I think it's both. And I think that that's really actually one of the reasons why sports and sport and a sports club and a football club particular is the right way to do this. Um, because you do get both of those energies, right? You do get like people who can come to it for a sort of like geopolitical reason and people who can come to it for a purely, he kicked the ball first time there it was in the back of the net reason. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I think um, to just to, to kind of elaborate on that more too, like the idea that I see here is like, I, I think that, you know, for us, we may be all of those, right? Like I'm doing it because it was my dream to own a club and because I'm frustrated. Um, and But we're okay with you being either one, 100%. You know, um, it's not like everyone's got to suddenly become an activist. Um, and it's also like, if you happen to be, the, if that's your reason and you're if you're not here because you just want the glory then that's that's cool too um cuz i i think it'll take a share of those folks we need folks that are what what we do what we want is people that care about the game right so if you care about the game because it brings you joy that's amazing if you care about the game because it brings other people joy too and you want to help preserve it that's amazing um you know as well i think what's um what's interesting about doing it the way that we are in the in the smaller sense too is it helps kind of prove it first um because to this point mm-hmm, of like mm-hmm. some people might be doing it for this or that it's even we we you know to give you an idea of where we had started um where at one point we were looking at a team in La Liga at the top you know top division we're talking 250 million euros um to buy it and just to just to start the conversation <laughs> yeah yeah you know and so you know obviously as we're thinking of it and I'm doing the math of like okay how are we going to be socioeconomically inclusive with the price of the share if we're going to try to reach that and then we had to continuously somewhat compromise the vision for bringing in outside investors Right. And so we would, Mm -hmm. you know, we would be like, oh, we maybe if we make it a little more attractive for the big money people to come in, then we can get to that 250, you know, faster. And I was like, I I know, but like that's defeating the point of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so part of me feels like if we can prove prove this model at a smaller scale, then it'll be easier for the world to believe it's possible again because there's people that understand community ownership but they've just watched so many clubs get taken over by rich guys and then not be able to do it and a lot of community clubs suffered because 80 years ago 
it was a lot harder to organize. And Alan, as a professional mm -hmm. organizer in many realms of life, I'm sure you can say that applies to far beyond, you know, sports ownership and membership. But getting like 100,000 people in a room in 1950 was a little more difficult, especially, <laughs> you know, it, it, even if they were all in the same city. That means you have to have a city that has that many people, you know. And so now mm -hmm. we believe it is just about the timing that we're able to capture this moment to bring football back to something that it was um, and, 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 you know, bring it to do it in an effective way. Yeah, and it is easier. I mean, you know, $5 million is still a gigantic sum of money, right? Like that's still a crazy amount. And it's, it's, we're, we're 0.06% of the way there. Um, <laughs> www.footballclubgroup.com, sign up now, become a member, let's go. Um, but uh, I also think that like, of those people who have already joined us, I think we're already at four countries uh yeah. um and i five. think maybe five five countries yeah. excellent uh and 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 like to anthony's point like that brings the universe of potential um is so much larger than people who happen to live around the factory that the workers of the sheffield wednesday club were all part of <laughs> like it's just a different scale of of potential um, and that's maybe the most amazing thing about the internet, right? Is that like, you can find your tribe. Um, and I think that there really are tribes of people out there who, who think about these things at a, at a deeper and engaged level. And, and we want them all to, to come throw in. Yeah. But the, the way you guys are talking about this right now brings up something that I think it's important to dwell on for just a second, because it might not be immediately obvious to folks, which is if, you are considered like in the version that Alan and I thought of a billion years ago to buy the Orioles, we were going to do it on, I think, Kickstarter. Right. <laughs> and the idea was like, we just need to get to this number, however the hell we get there. And so if somebody threw in twenty dollars, cool. If somebody threw in twenty thousand dollars, cool. Mm -hmm. That's not what you guys are doing. Right. It's one member, one share. Even if I wanted to, you know, if I was a generous benefactor and I wanted to fast track you guys there and give you $500,000 to scoot things along. I actually cannot do that, correct? Correct in, correct in terms of you joining football club group, right? Because mm -hmm. once again, we're trying to, we're, this is a, we, this is a mission to, you know, do good. But we're also mm -hmm. trying to let people know that we're not naive to the state of the industry. Yeah. Like we mm -hmm. we understand what we're doing here and what we want to do is lev we know there's capital out there. We just don't want it to be in control. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so you cannot join football club group with more money. But our goal is to raise five million dollars. We plan to use two and a half million of that money to buy a club. Technically, we only need to own 51% of a club to, mm -hmm. to control that club and have that billionaire not have control. But if they want to be a part of this mission, they can earmark that money and say, hey, I'd put $50,000 towards buying a club. And so we can kind of sell that 49% of the club to somebody who is maybe interested in it for the money, wants to buy low, sell high, because we'll still always be there controlling the fate of the club. 
in that sense. And um, because, you know, if you're buying low and selling high, that means we you, we succeeded, right? Like Mark Cuban, I don't think anybody would say he's done a bad thing for Dallas or the Mavericks in his journey. Um, and he's going to make a profit off of it. We personally will not be doing that as football club group. But if someone on the outside wants to put fire on our flame and we can still continue, we can find vehicles to do that because how else will we compete um, with others? But you will never control football club group or the club we own with that capital, if that kind of makes a little more sense there. (laughs) That does make sense. And it it strikes me as very revolutionary. This idea that if um, I do come along and say, well, I'd like to put in $500,000. Football Club Group is going to say to me, like, we welcome your investment and it will help us build a team that could give you a very exciting return on your investment. But it does not mean that you, by having contributed more money, have more influence. Yeah. And it, and it, also, it also does allow us a certain amount of control over, um, you know, uh, not all capital is created equal. Um, and, you know, Anthony's been doing some really excellent writing on the aforementioned footballclubgroup.com about what we talk about a lot, sports washing, the potential for people to either for geopolitical reasons or for personal scummy business person reasons, um, you know, shoot, invest in something that they know carries deep emotional resonance with a group to uh, rehab or rehabilitate their um, their image, um, we get to be choosy about that. So we get to say, like, not all, <laughs> not all money spends the same. Uh, not all money is, is created equal. And sort of the genesis of investment does have to be in some way or shape or form morally aligned with where the group is, or we're just not not going to not going to play ball. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And 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 because to your point uh, that you said earlier, Sam, like the you're, you're you become you get like a you have a moral questioning at one point because you love mm-hmm. your club so much and someone's going to come in and invest millions of dollars and you're going to win championships and you're going to yeah. be like, is that person as bad as I, you know, you know, it, yeah. you want to yeah. know how frustrated Newcastle, Newcastle United, man, yeah. like. The day after the the investment fund signed up, everyone was in the stands. All these Gordies were in the stands wearing their like uh, weird um, like <laughs> English versions of Arabic head wraps. Very strange. <laughs> right, doing stuff. their own appropriation. Yeah, no. It, yeah, oh boy, it's, it's, oh boy. It's interesting because I was on Twitter and you know Todd the whole Todd Bowley Chelsea thing, and I was just looking at club owner conversation. It was frustrating to see how much praise for Roman Abramovich I just saw on Twitter in this last week. Like the mm-hmm. comparison of like mm-hmm. I can't, I when when he was our owner, you know, like this man knew how to like you know knows how to run a football club. Money was coming, everything, and then I'm just like not, and I'm not saying either of those ones better than the other. I don't I don't know Todd Bowley from a hole in the wall, but I'm but I'm just saying you know like the idea that all of a sudden now this guy is getting so much praise you it know works. it literally is it just works. a perfect example they're like we want roman back and i'm like holy 
crap. You know, yeah. like yeah. like it's clearly effective. What's he been doing since he left? Oh, you know, just slowly um, murdering Ukrainian dissidents. No big deal. <laughs> so you know, it, it's it, it, that point. The point is 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 real is real. Um, you know, there. It's it's we sports washing actually almost even makes it sound sort of fun like it's like oh you know like yeah. <laughs> right but but right. It, but it's really um it, it's really so the, the implications are are so deep are so deep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so as a kind of a this is maybe going to sound like a sort of a pedantic question and i don't mean it that way but one of the things that i'm really drawn to about the model that you guys have been sketching out here is that as revolutionary as what you're describing is it's actually very simple to understand and it's very clear. And I was thinking, you know, when you look at the website that you guys have put together and uh, like Alan is wearing a football club group t-shirt on the call today, I was really struck by the, the choice to use a black and white color scheme. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was an intentional thing to reflect the kind of clarity and simplicity of the model. But I guess the bigger question would be how much does how much is this idea of decomplicating, decomplexifying what would amount to the upending of one of the most lucrative economic structures <laughs> in modern capitalism? How, how much is that part of your guys thinking in this? Trying to make it seem like this is actually not a super scary, complex thing. Yeah, that's a that's a great analysis. I will say there's two parts to it: um, the football part of it, and then the uh, like you said, the product part of it. Like because mm-hmm. of what it is, it being simple and elegant um, is is real. Like you know something like that design where it's clean, black and white. There's not it's not too busy. You're not getting you know overwhelmed with things because it's an it could be an overwhelming concept was very much a part of the thinking the football part can i, can I just yeah. say can i just Go say ahead. on that particular point yeah. too cooperative culture over time is busy like mm. graphically mm-hmm. uh like structurally um and and in general consensus decision making or even small d democratic decision making is busy it's visually busy it's structurally busy there's a lot going on yeah. and i think that like Let's just cut through all that, get to the ABC of the underlying thing. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah, but I have to say it was what I what I and what I said also it was also secondary because the real mm. the real reason it started right like you know that's we can always you know go into that too once we do it. But the real reason I was like when we were thinking of colors, you know, as a football fan or a sports fan, you're you're picking a you know you pick red. You, everybody on Chelsea <laughs> and, and from City are going to hate you. You know, you pick blue, United fans are, are immediately going to have a little less of an opinion on it, right? And let's say <laughs> let's say we are blue and we buy a red team. You know, mm-hmm. it's so that, that was actually my thought process there when I was going mm-hmm. through color ideas. I was like, we actually just can't have any colors as our colors. Yeah. We have to be neutral colors until we have a club and then we'll still be our color of whatever, but then the color that will be added will be whatever color is the club that we buy. The history yeah. and yeah. the background and the yeah. Exactly, cuz that'll then be our new favorite color. 
Yeah. That's the good thing about rooting for laundry is that, you know, the laundry will define what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I appreciate um, your kind of touching on the simplicity angle of that too, Sam, because that is part of our biggest hurdle, right? Like the excitement angle is easy to achieve, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's very romantic idea. But when mm -hmm. it comes down to like actually the brass tacks of understanding what it means, how it works and then operating it and managing that ownership too um, is something that we're, we're still trying to improve. So I appreciate the compliment on the site, but it is our MVP too. So we're always welcoming ideas, just like the organization itself, just like the site, just like everything. We we are always self-improving. We're like, we only know as much as we know now, a new member may, our 26th member may be an expert in web development and revolutionize our site they might be an expert in tax law and help us you know with our uh potential planning and revenue generation and how it you know it implicates our taxes um so that's the beauty of this cooperative model um is that now alan and everybody else owns just as much football club group as i do right and i and i started it two years but we have the same amount of share and there is a beauty in that there, you know, as a founder, it's obviously there's a little bit of like, you know, you're, you're letting go, you know, you're almost letting the baby kind of walk into the streets. And, you know, I no longer have, you know, full control over what happens. But I mean, maybe it's part of my personality, but I, I love that. I, I think that that's beautiful. The fact that now we're all kind of accountable. Do you hear that, folks? Humility from a sports owner. <laughs> <laughs> footballclubgroup.com Baltimoreans get over there and read the fine work that Alan and Anthony have been up to Anthony thank you so much for joining us um Alan I I think you guys have done a great job of illuminating the project here and answering a lot of questions that that folks might have about this but there is unfortunately one question that you did not answer uh-oh um, I'm, I'm so sorry to say, which is what would you call former Orioles prospect Henry Yerudia uh -oh. if he was getting involved in a people powered sports ownership initiative of the type that footballclubgroup.com <laughs> is? Probably uh, Henry Football Club Group Rudia. That is an excellent answer. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I also would have accepted Henry Grassrootsia. Oh, much better. Grassroots Grassrootsia. Your Grassrootsia. Your Grassrootsia. Check out the site, folks, and we'll talk to you again next week. Baltimoreans. Baltimoreans.